The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 818, you're listening to WGNS on this Monday morning today, January the 8th. And in studio with us, we have Dr. Craig McCabe. And this morning, you can call in or text in any questions you may have about your eyes or uh, even Botox. If you have questions about that, call or text <laughs> those in as well. 615-893-1450. Dr. McCabe, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great Monday morning. Boy, it's a cold morning. It is. And if you're out there, be a little careful. I did see a little bit of ice on one of the overpasses. Well, it's supposed to rain tonight, so I hope that doesn't turn into ice in the morning. What's the weather overnight? Uh, 100% chance of rain. <laughs> and temperature? <laughs> well, that I don't think the temperature, actually, the temperature is going to be down to 42. So I guess we're no, okay. no freezing. Yeah, That's we're right. okay then. Great. But uh, cold, for sure cold for sure cold for sure but uh a brisk morning for everyone to wake up and start their week and uh, get going and i know that we're all looking forward to it we're all hopefully have uh, full power going into our new year's resolutions right Uh, that's right what what kind of resolutions have you uh put together oh my gosh okay put me on the spot here so (laughs) i've decided to try to do things that increase my longevity and my memory that's a good idea so that's that's my uh goal uh this year and that is through a series of um cold uh plunges where you reduce your body core temperature a little bit and um things to uh, increase my memory which is where you try to do difficult uh, mind or memory tasks while you're also doing a different uh, difficult exercise those have been uh, some of the things to uh, increase your longevity trying to handle stress without increasing your breathing rate your heart rate or your um, blood pressure so those are the things that have been shown in multiple journals to help do all those good things as well as keeping your uh, weight to where it should be and keeping your muscle mass up in your body. So those are my lofty goals. I always have about 10 going into the new years because there's so many things I have to fix and improve on. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then at the office, uh, to start talking about eyes, and then back at the office, uh, we will be... um, uh, putting into force uh, cataract surgery, not using eye drops. And we've already uh, started that last week. So dropless cataract surgery, that's probably one of the, the biggest uh, non-happy things that people have to say about their cataract surgery is that everything went well, went great, loved it. I just uh, got tired of using those eye drops. So we're, uh, there's um, been several uh, large publications of people that will inject medicines, antibiotics, and uh, steroids 
either into the eye or just underneath the conjunctival surface, that little white clear film uh, outside of your cornea on your eye gives the eye the whiteness. Uh, to have depot versions that extend over time so that patients don't have to do drops. And that has been the standard of care in Europe. And sometimes we're a little behind Europe. And in the United States, it's dropless cataract surgery. And what's common over there, now we're uh, starting to perform over here in the U.S. And we're going to be the first place in Rutherford County that does that. How often do you hear about new procedures that may be done, you know, in, in other countries? And then you learn later, you know, these are going to be adapted here in America. Or is it usually the other way around where new procedures are done in America more so than other countries? Nope. Nope. They're usually done everywhere else. And uh, well, it sounds like there ought to be a 2020 or a 60 minutes episode on this, but what happens is a lot of them get done in Central America, South America, Mexico, the Dominican Republic, and actually uh, European and U.S. doctors will <clears throat> actually perform these studies and uh, they'll fly to these places where the restrictions on the development of medications are not near as much uh, in Europe and in Amer and the USA as they are in these other countries. So you can perform them earlier there. And that's where a lot of the initial research is done. And, uh, you know, so um, I don't think anyone really cares to be a guinea pig or the first at it. And so usually it's done there first, and then it goes to Europe. They have the CE mark uh, that they give their things instead of FDA approved. And then we have the most stringent criteria, I would say, of all the developed countries. And so usually we're the last one to get these things, but we're also the ones that are most protective, I would say, of their uh, citizens in that new medications, new treatments, uh, new machinery, uh, new procedures are tested out other places first before they come here. And still, we have some that get recalled by the FDA and have to get changed, but not near as much as the other countries. So happens over the first, most things get worked out, and then it comes to the USA. You know, I, I know there have been a lot of uh, news-type shows where they have investigative reporters who go to these countries, and you often hear about the negative side of some of these procedures that are done, but it sounds like there are a lot of positive you know, things that come of this too. Yeah, well, biological systems, whether um, mice, rabbits, uh, humans, whatever it is, you know, they all have so much complexity uh, from the immune system, how people heal, individual variances, uh, allergies, all kinds of things that uh, you never quite know once you go into studies. It's interesting, only about one out of 10 uh, medications or instrumentations that uh, have to go through this process actually finally get approved, and it may take $10 million to get it to the approval point from these companies. And so they do spend a lot of money and time and effort in R&D before it actually comes to the point of trying to get uh, FDA clearance. 
So um, people say, gosh, why is this new medicine so expensive? And it's probably because they've tried to make something like this a few times before over 20 years and it's cost them millions and millions of dollars and they're trying to recoup that. And they say, well, why are the generics so inexpensive then? It's almost the same medicine. Well, they didn't have to do that. All that was done ahead of them and all they did was ride the coattails in. And that's why we have patents that protect products so they can try to get that money back that they spent investing in bringing it forward. Interesting. We already have a, a question here, and it says, I recently went to Cool Springs at the uh, mall store and got new glasses after I got a new prescription, and they said something about me having low vision but didn't say much more. What is low vision? Well, okay. So let's talk about how it's uh, defined in Tennessee and mostly throughout our country. And what is it to be legally blind? Let's start there because people hear that term, legally blind, right? And if you were to go to an eye doctor and they were to check your vision with the best newest glasses, you know, the best prescription or refraction that you could have, and you could only read the big E, which is the 2200 letter, which is 10 times smaller than the 20, or 10 times larger than the 2020 letter on the eye charts. And you couldn't read that with your best glasses on in either eye. That would be considered legally blind. And then the, the next thing down from that is uh, visually uh, disabled. And that is 2070. And to drive in the state of Tennessee and pass it without any um, doctor's help would have to be 2040 or better. Gosh, all these numbers, what the heck does that mean? I hear them all the time. And I really don't know what they mean. And it's, it's simple. So the, the bottom number is how far a person with normal vision, no problems, healthy eyes, could stand away from an eye chart and read it. And the top number is you, so to speak. So, so let, me, let me get this right. The bottom number, if it's 20, then you're 20 feet away from the eye chart? Correct. Okay. And you can read that letter. So let's say you're further away and you walk up closer, closer, closer till you can read that letter. <clears throat> if it's 20 feet, um, then you are uh, 20, 20. Now, let's say that you could read it at 40, or excuse me, you could read it at 20 feet, but a normal person could read it 40 feet away, then you would be seeing half as good, right, as a normal person, because you had to walk up to 20, where they could read it 40 feet away, so the bottom's the normal, the top's you, then you're 20, 40, and that's what the state legal driving requirement is and then perfect eye vision is what again uh you know 2020 to 2015 okay yeah. so so that 20 number on the bottom 20 feet away and then the top number once more so the top number is 20 okay the bottom number is you did i say that i said it backwards the top number is you at 20 the bottom number is a normal person so if you were 2200 which is legally blind, uh, best corrected, both eyes, then a 
you would have to walk up to 20 feet to read that letter on the eye chart, whereas a normal person with normal vision could stand 200 feet away. Okay? So, that's uh, how those numbers come about. Now, in all the rest of the world, you know, just like they use metric and we don't, we use colonial. So, uh, they make it a fraction. So, in other words, 2020 would be 1. 2040 would be 0 0.5, 2200 would be 0 0.1. So there your vision would be 1, it would be 0.8, it would be 0.5, or what have you. Uh, and uh, that's how they do it in the rest of the world. And that's the typical way for seeing a very black letter on a very white background. So are there a lot of people who are legally blind? And if they are, do glasses help correct their vision? So let's remember the definition. The definition is defined as having the best prescription and you're looking through it. So that means that with the best glasses on, you would be 2200 or worse. Okay. To be legally blind in your better eye. So uh, glasses do not help in that case. However, you can get visual aids. So these vision aids, um, so let's talk about the typical person, make it more practical, someone with macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy, uh, someone who's had a stroke to their eyes, anything like that, then they need magnification in order to see things better. Up close, and let's say their vision's not near as bad, let's just say you're getting older, like everybody else, 45 and older, you have to wear magnifiers, right? Or readers. And they be maybe 1.5 to 2.5, you know, powers. And that helps you read. Now that's from a different process, that's from a normal thing of developing cataracts in your eyes. But now, let's say you have some kind of disease, macular degeneration or the such, where you can't see as well, then you may need stronger magnifiers. And these are visual aids, uh, and they may be diffractive magnification lenses, which are special lenses you can't get at Walmart or something. And they help increase the power even more times, four times and higher. And they're usually handheld things. Uh, and then there are little mini telescopes and these are little bioptic glasses and you may have seen one or two people that have a little protrusion that's actually built into one of their lenses that sticks out and it's actually a little mini telescope that helps them see far in the distance not very far but enough to say spot whether a uh, light that has a walk or do not walk sign. You know, you can read that. You can see maybe things like curbs and cars and other things like that for you to navigate around. Um, and these are low vision aids. So there's a variety between those two that may help someone that you know. And we offer those at our office. So these are things that would help somebody see at what, I guess, normal vision person would be able to see in a distance well 
No, it does not bring them to 2020. Okay, it does improve their vision uh, in most cases, but it it doesn't give them, say, normal vision. For example, the mini telescopes. They <clears throat> help you see things at a distance, but your field of view, the width which you can see, is greatly constricted. And as you know, when you look through binoculars, right, the field of view gets smaller as the power of those binoculars goes up, the width that you can see. And that's interesting. So in the definition of legally blind, there's two parts. There is that 2020, 2040, actually being able to read that black letter on a very white background. And then there's also width of vision. So you have to have a greater than 20 degree field of view in order to be considered not legally blind. So in other words, you have to meet both criteria. So that means, and this is the case in people that have severe glaucoma. Remember, as I tell you, the glaucoma is the sneak thief of sight because it steals your side vision until you realize it, which is too late, when you have tunnel vision, which means a greatly constricted field of view. So you can be actually 20-20 vision. You can read the smallest line on the eye chart, but your field of view is only very small, greatly restricted tunnel vision, and you're still considered legally blind. So you can be 20-20 and be legally blind because you're running into things left and right to the sides of you because you can't see them. So you have to meet those two criteria. And then there's other functions of vision, the qualities of vision, I call them. And to me, the biggest one is contrast sensitivity. So contrast sensitivity, you know, when we used to read books and newspapers, back when I was a kid and dinosaurs roamed the earth, it was that the background was white and the print was black. And now you pick up a newspaper and you're reading dark gray print on a light gray background. So the contrast difference there is much, much reduced. And this is why people often don't see well as night, because they have reduced contrast sensitivity. You know, at night, things are less bright, right? Yeah. So they have poor contrast sensitivity. And that's one of the number one things that happen to people who have cataracts. So now we're trying to relate all these things to practical <laughs> issues. And the reason why they don't see well as night, besides the glaring halos from oncoming car headlights, which is scattering due to the cataract, but also the cataract reduces the total light coming into the eye. That's why they have kind of a tannish view that they don't realize until after they get their cataract surgery done. But that reduces their contrast sensitivity. They have harder time reading the newspaper. Because of that less contrast, they have harder time seeing in the evening while they have more car accidents then. That's from reduced contrast. <clears throat> so there's another uh, quality of vision. Another one we might say is depth perception. So the ability to see one stair is so far from the other when you're walking around or how high you lift your foot on a curb, parallel parking, hitting a baseball, all these kind of things. And what we know from that is we know that you have to have two good eyes. If you have just one good eye, you've lost your depth 
perception. So you can see it. You know it's there. You don't know exactly quite where it is there, though. <laughs> but you see it there. And so your depth perception's off, and you can trip over things. You can have a hard time parking the car, all these kind of things, if you've got reduced vision in one eye. So um, that's another quality of vision. So we spoke of all these other things. We can talk about color perception. Oh, there's another one, quality of vision. And so people who are colorblind, typically it's red-green. It can affect one out of 10 or 12 uh, men, typically. Uh, it is inherited on the Y-linked uh, chromosome, so it's sex-linked, and that's why it's typically men. And so there's another quality of vision. And so we have uh, all these qualities to our vision besides just that reading the chart vision, that all together in that soup make up how good your vision is. Interesting. We have two more questions here, but before I get to those, I'm curious, do you foresee any major science breakthroughs, medically speaking, you know, for the eyes in the near future? Um, you know, I think things will get, um, what's the word, like next step, like stair step, like a step up, gradual improvements over time with everything in medicine as well as eyes. But really the sequencing of our genome, our DNA, and working on those genes that cause problems as we get old. Because I think we will be able to extend our longevity, our life, you know, in the upcoming decades as we help cure or improve these problems like I, I think uh it's 2024 i think before the end of the decade we'll um be working or have a vaccine for certain cancers whoa never heard of that that's a big deal well once you know we have cancer genes in our dna ready to turn on at any time now, maybe you need to smoke cigarettes for so many years to turn it on. Maybe you need to be around pollution so many years to turn it on to get lung cancer and things like that. But they're in our DNA. And once we can learn to affect the activity of those oncogenes, they're called, or their promoters or inhibitors that turn them on and off, then we'll be able to reduce those things that come with aging, uh, to reduce inflammation in our body. Um, all these kind of things, then I think we'll see, you know, again, little by little, but we'll have uh, a few major advances. And uh, one of them is, uh, starts out with working with our genome. And so I think that DNA research is going to become more and more important as time goes on. Dr. Craig McCabe with McCabe Vision Center is on the air with us this morning. Now we have three more questions. The first one, uh, deals with the eyes. The other other one deals with uh, uh, Botox. But let, let's get to the first one and it ask uh, the readers that you can buy at the drugstore. Do those hurt my eyes or do they help them overall? And well, th those readers are what five, six dollars, ten dollars. Those little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say they're they're you know uh, typically. Oh, I don't know. Eight to eighteen bucks, and, and they're in just there. magnifying glasses, basically. Right, right, right. So no glasses will hurt 
your eyes. Let's talk about that. Now, they can blur your vision if they're not the right prescription. They uh, can cause eye strain if they're not the right prescription, which is temporarily, and usually an eye strain, you don't see quite as well, and so you don't blink as much because you're staring, you're trying hard, and your eyes dry out. And you get a dry eye problem. A lot of eye strain is dry eyes. Some of it is uh, when you're younger, it can make you over-accommodate or make you feel like you're trying to read something up close when you're looking at something far away. But those are the two major causes. But none of those cause permanent damage in any way, shape, or form. So as long as you don't have a car accident or something like that, yeah. you're not seeing well, right? So nothing like that intrinsic to them. So they don't hurt your eyes, but they can decrease your vision. Right, And that has various effects on your performance of certain activities. So, yes, get the right prescription. Get that updated. Usually glasses, after they're three years old and such, they delaminate or they lose their coatings. And they have issues and they get scratched up and whatever. You need new glasses. Uh, so, readers, uh, the other thing they don't do is they don't correct astigmatism. And they don't correct differences between the two eyes. You may have one eye that uh, is a little nearsighted, one that's a little farsighted, or they may be nearsighted to different amounts or farsighted to different amounts. And the readers don't do that. They're the same thing on both sides. So uh, they, they help with the quick thing, and most people's eyes are pretty close, so they work for them most times, but they're not as good as a prescription. So if you're having problems with the readers, you know, go see your eye doctor and there's something else going on, and they can get that fixed easily, typically. So um, make that a New Year's resolution for everybody to go out and get their <laughs> eyes checked once this year. And, uh, you know, use your eyes for everything. And we all take them for granted until something happens. Definitely. Next question. Uh, next question deals with Botox. I've often got neck pain, and I was wondering if Botox would help with that neck pain because a friend of mine said that they use Botox on their neck, and it does seem to help them. Well, it's so what is the derivation? What is the cause? What's the etiology of your neck pain? You know what I mean? Um, if you have head pain, like migraine headaches, People get a lot of contraction of the frontalis muscle that's between your eyebrows and your hairline. <clears throat> and uh, if they can relax that because they're too anxious, stressed out, whatever, and that's giving their migraine headaches, these frontal headaches, then Botox there relaxes that. Wait, but Botox in the neck or Botox on the forehead area? On the forehead for migraines. Okay. Okay. Now, people that get muscle strain headaches... Uh, now, that typically involves the shoulders and neck and back of the head. Uh, that can help improve their uh, muscle strain headaches. Um, it's often used in the neck for people that tend to turn their head to one side, called torticollis, where this muscle that runs down the front side of your neck, the sternocleidomastoid, that uh, is under kind of a spasm. So they'll get injections there to relax it and they'll be able to turn their head straight. You know, Botox first started in ophthalmology with eye doctors and correcting eyes that were turned, one eye was turned in or out. And so they give Botox to the overactive muscle 
and that would weaken it, and the eyes would straighten it out. And then it was used uh, many, many places throughout the body in different medical specialties to relax that muscle by blocking the neuromuscular junction. That's how Botox works. It prevents the presynaptic neuron from releasing its neurotransmitter to the muscle, which causes it to contract. So it blocks that little uh, stimulation. And so if you're having overstimulation, it reduces that, and you get muscle relaxation. Muscle contraction is what causes wrinkles on our face and elsewhere over time. And so uh, now the supermodels are all getting Botox at earlier ages, and they're finding out as the decades go by, they have less and less wrinkles as they get older. Interesting. So, of course, uh, there's a lot more money to be made on a lot more people when you can do things cosmetically, and that's why Botox has gotten so popular from that. But it originally started out medically, and it's still there for migraine headaches uh, for people that have muscle spasms. Uh, and it really does help, though, for those migraine headaches. Yes, yes, it can. And, and uh, if you have the frontal migraines along your forehead, then yes, it can. Good. Uh, next question here. Also dealing with Botox, do you do lips? That's all it says. Botox, do you do lips? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can do some Botox around the lips in what's called a, lid, a, a lip flip procedure. Say that 10 times fast early Monday morning. So a lip flip procedure. And uh, that the, that's kind of a hit or miss procedure. So I typically don't do that. Uh, but as far as fillers now, if we talk about fillers, fillers are the best thing for improving the look of your lips as long as they're symmetric. But if your lips are asymmetric, say you've got an, a smile that's higher on one side than the other, or maybe the lower lip goes down on one side more than the other, what have you, then yes, you can have some Botox there. We did that for one of our lovely young ladies in the office. She had a regular smile, and that can even out the smile and it actually can work quite well once you get the dosage right but uh yes but the lip fillers if you want to give your lips the look they had 10 years ago um uh, or even 20 years ago with the lip filler and of course what we try to do it is have it look natural not have it look like you had anything done but uh just an improvement so, yes, uh, we do that. It's one of my favorite things to do on the fillers. Hey, we got to take a break in just a second. But, again, we're talking with Dr. Craig McCabe of McCabe Vision Center at 122 Heritage Park Drive. Now, on the Botox, whenever you get it, you know, in your face, wherever it is, mm -hmm. once you start that process, do you have to go back every six months to get Botox again? And is that an ongoing cycle? three to six months typically <clears throat> so if you use that part of the body maybe it's your mouth okay we're using that all the time at least i am <laughs> <laughs> and so if you're doing that it tends to metabolize a little faster there than say around your eyes or on your forehead muscles that you don't use as much so uh there it lasts a little longer and everybody's metabolism is different but in general between uh, three and six months i would say you would get a good effect takes about four days to kick in and two weeks for maximum effect so it's not an immediate uh, change but it does come on and you often have to modify the dose a little bit maybe you got a little too much here maybe you got a little too less and 
eventually over a few times you can get it just right for most things and uh, the people that get it whether it be for migraine headaches or spasm muscles or just to reduce wrinkles uh, they'll, they'll tell you it's uh, well worth it it's uh, it's a very uh, good thing to have they depend on it and once they get it and they see the improvements then they often come back but it is an, uh, an uh, almost like an enzyme that will last for a certain amount of time and then uh, gets metabolized and goes away. Very few things in life are permanent fixes, right? <laughs> so if you get it to reduce those wrinkles, let's say in your forehead, it's gonna, you're, you're going to see the best effect in about two weeks after you first get the Botox. Is that right? Starts in four days, maximum effect in two weeks. Okay. And then ongoing, every three months or so, you come back. <clears throat> get a, a new injection and if you don't go back and get that second third fourth injection in the future what happens does it start it just, to wrinkle again it, it just gradually wears off and you go back to the same way you were yeah so in some ways that's good because sometimes you can get a little too much or in the wrong place and you may have a droopy eyelid or a droopy mouth or what whatever it may be uh, do, droopy eyebrow, whatever it may be, but that that wears off. Give it a month, it'll go back to normal. Again, Dr. Craig McCabe on the air with us this morning at McCabe Vision Center. And we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be happy, or Dr. McCabe will be happy to answer any additional questions you may have about the eyes, about Botox, whatever it may be. You can call or text us at 615-893-1450. Time again right now, 851. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This is Amanda at Animal City. Come shop with my family here at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Did you know that dogs have a unique nose print, much like our fingerprint? Here at Animal City, you can find your pet a present as unique as they are. Whether your dog is a power chewer, a gentle senior, an infamous squeaker killer, or a two-pound lap princess, we have the right toy for your baby here at Animal City. Come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Wind advisory will go into effect here later this evening. Mostly sunny skies this afternoon, high in the mid-50s. Tonight, chance for rain, cloudy, temperatures fall early, then slowly rise overnight. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 27. 
The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.53, you're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning. Today, January the 8th. And Dr. Craig McCabe of McCabe Vision Center on Heritage Park Drive is on the air with us in studio. And uh, for anybody listening out there, uh, let's go back to the eyes and uh, not Botox just for a second here. But with the eyes, you need to get a regular eye exam, what, once a year? I would say after the age of 50, once a year would be a good idea because your eyes are changing quite a bit. And uh, if we go back earlier, certainly at 45, because that's the typical need for people who have never needed glasses at all to start needing reading glasses. Uh, But I would say if there's no eye diseases in your family, okay, and you have no symptoms, and you know no pink or red eyes you know you're white and bright you see sharp near and far uh they don't feel tired you're not rubbing them nobody says you know what's wrong with your eyes or anything like that you know (laughs) if you don't have any of those kind of issues at all and no family history then uh probably every two to three years before the age of 45 and then 45 to 50 every two years and after 50 every year. But now let's say you've got glaucoma runs in the family, macular degeneration. All, you know, we have a huge population of diabetics in our country. They're all supposed to get an eye exam every year, dilated thorough exam every year. So uh, there are certain conditions, there are certain medications that you should take if you're on steroids if you're on certain blood pressure medications, if you're on uh, medications for your joints, some of those you're supposed to have an eye exam every year. So if you don't have any of those things and you've had an eye exam in the past, if you had an eye exam, then of course you should get one. But none of those family history, none of those things, everything's fine every two to three years, after 45, every two years, after 50, once a year. Uh, and I, you know, prevention is the best way to treat things without a doubt. So catch them while they're early and easily treated and easily managed. And you'll be glad you did. Uh, here's a question. It says a couple of months ago, not the last time, but the time before you mentioned an eye drop that helps whiten the eyes. What was that eye drop? Yes. Wow. What a good memory on this person. <laughs> I can remember that far back about mentioning an eye drop. Yeah. And the safest one, the best one to use, and it's over the counter, is called Lumify. L-U-M-I-F-Y. Lumify. And uh, you'll love it. And it's the safest one for your body. It's better than Visine. So um, use it uh, once a day. Uh, and each eye lasts about uh, eight to ten hours and uh, that'll that'll set you up lumify so there there are some eye drops out there that are prescription only and uh, that being the case what types of eye drops are prescription well certainly those that can be abused or have problems if you use too much antibiotics steroids I, I had no idea that uh, even numbing eye drops yeah I had no idea that that, that people abuse eye drops. I, I didn't know there were types of eye drops that would 
cause somebody to abuse them. So let's say you, uh, not you, but let's say you're an eye doctor <laughs> like me, and there, there's many reports of people stealing the numbing eye drops because their eyes hurt. Maybe they got a, a corneal abrasion or you know some kind of issue with their eyes and they hurt, and the doctor puts that numbing eye drop, and they're like, oh my God, that that's that's worth a thousand dollars to me. That's it made my eyes feel so much better. They're not hurting, you know, for the first time. So there's that much. The doctor pain. goes out of the office and they decide to stick that in their pocket and walk out. Wow. And so what happens is they don't know this, but if you use too much of that drop, it's toxic. And it causes the epithelium, the outer layer of the cornea, to slough off. And you get huge corneal abrasions, which are then open to infections. Wow. And then you get major what's called corneal ulcers. And, you know, they have just buckets of problems associated with them if they continue on. And you do not want to go down that road, I'm telling you right now. That's scary. So, yes. So there's good reason why medications are prescription and not everybody <laughs> can get at them. So um, that's for your own good, as your mama used to tell you. <laughs> Last question is all we have time for here, but it's about uh, eyes and medicine. It says the medication I take, I believe, makes my eyes more blurry, at least my, I guess, my vision more blurry. Uh Uh, Is this something I should get glasses for, or is this something that will go away? Well, you should be talking to your eye doctor about it. Number one, (laughs) number one, that's the first thing. And tell them that maybe it's just a thick drop. Like artificial teardrops can be a thick drop. They can be a gel drop. They can blur your vision for like four or five minutes. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, if they're a little thin drop, then they still blur your vision, but it's only for about 20 seconds. So, again, there's a spectrum there. But if it's a, if it's a long-term thing, then you're having an issue and you need to get it checked out. Talk to, your, talk to your eye doctor. They will take good care of you. They want to take good care of you. We're all in this to make everyone see better, feel better, look better. And I hope everyone has a better 2024. Absolutely. Again, Dr. Craig McCabe on the air with us this morning, and that is going to do it. You can learn more at McCabeVisionCenter.com. The time right now is 9 o'clock, and you're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro on this Monday morning.